Zach, can you scream? Not like, I'm not asking you to, but like, are you physically capable of screaming? I don't know when I last would have tried. Probably? <laughs> I don't feel like I can. I don't know, like, I don't. I genuinely don't think I have ever, like, horror movie screamed. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how to make my vocal cords do that. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you need the volume, but, like, I... Even if I had an environment where I would feel, like, comfortable, like, like just letting it loose, I wouldn't know what to do, really, I feel like. Maybe I would figure it out, but... I can't even imagine a place I could go by any means that I would feel comfortable just screaming in. I started thinking about it because someone on TikTok like went out like into the middle of the woods and like, you know, just like as far away and like just to not upset people and like to have some privacy while doing it. And it was like, all right, here we go. Uh... <laughs> and I was like, exactly. <laughs> I think I could if I had to. I can probably bellow too, but I'm less confident of that. I don't think I know what a bellow is. The I think the thing that Dumbledore does when he goes, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? But he was supposed to say it calmly, but instead he goes like, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? I don't okay. think that's a bellow either. Now that I'm... I think a bellow was about distance, probably. Mm. It is sometimes confused with below. Can you do that? <laughs> Can I below? Well, I'll have to check the above. Hey, Zach. Hey, Liz. Zach. How do we introduce this? Blockchain squad. <laughs> Recently, mm -hmm. the, the folding ideas NFT video got me thinking about what Web 3.0 will look like. Oh, okay. In a, in a way? In any particular way or just in general? At first, it was a very sad way. Mm -hmm. And then... A very angry way. And then a sad way again. Yep. Think. yep. And then yeah. um and then a kinda just kinda neutral about it kinda way, the way it should be, honestly. Okay. Like if you have feelings about web two point like that's the degree of feeling I would like to have about the concept of web three point Hmm. Okay. Like, if you're not well, a have... fan of the aesthetics, that's fine. Uh -huh. But, like... <laughs> I have generally positive feelings about Web 2.0. Okay. I think 
I think it it increased access and mostly is just a thing that is part of my life and I don't think about it as a thing most of the time. I just go to websites. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'll get into this, but like Web 2.0, it is kind of, it's just kind of like a trend. It's just kind mm-hmm. of the way things ended up happening and we called it something because it because tim o'reilly needed branding yeah basically um i'm just gonna start off by saying uh every uh, the following rest of the podcast basically is going to be entirely my opinion and uh therefore it's none of it slander here we go okay web 3.0 is a concept derived from the term web 2.0 which according to wikipedia Um, refers to websites that emphasize user-generated content, ease of use, participatory culture, and interoperability for end users. Uh, Basically, Mm -hmm. it's the idea that websites that existed on the World Wide Web could be more interactive than the static pages that were common in 1999 when the term was coined. Uh, Since then, it's been used to mean all sorts of different hand-wavy concepts but most of the time when one hears web 2.0 the ideas of dynamic as opposed to static and Mm -hmm. user active as opposed to user passive um these kinds of concepts should be invoked when you hear web 2.0 so user active would be like i go to facebook and give it my content basically yeah everybody else sees the thing that I did as a user or I like a page or I whatever. Yeah. You know, you, the website is not very useful without user input, user input. Um, okay. You, if you go to a wiki and no one has edited the wiki, it is not useful. If you go to Twitter and no one has posted a tweet, that's not useful. Um, and like useful I'm using pretty loosely because like, there's an argument to be had about like what is useful, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to use it as someone wants it. Yeah, okay. Um, Web 2.0 is a trend, and that is why it has a name and not just a vague category that some websites fit into and some don't. Um, it's like people use it as more of like an era, describing the era of the web that we are in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like some websites are just still static, even in web 2.0, right? Websites and web a- apps, web apps. Mm-hmm. I don't like that term. I don't like the term web app. I was just about to say it and I am partial to it because I think it describes that delineation that you were just saying that there's static and then there's interactive and I think usually website is static and app is interactive in my head, but also site is just any place that you can go on the web. Yeah. And like, I I just, the web, term web app is like kind of overused in uh, the kind of circles I run in. Mm-hmm. So I don't like it very much. Um they were, but the these new newfangled user active websites and web apps uh, were able to do things that static web pages couldn't. Social media requires users to be able to participate in it 
um, wikis need information filled by users, a hilariously small portion of the users, but the users. Um, and web apps can't do anything without users pushing buttons. Um, and lots of interesting things were being done when the term was being used, um, or when it was being sort of introduced as like a look at my new look at my cool new web 2.0 website mm-hmm. um this that's not really a thing that you would say these days you wouldn't call your website even if it was very user active and very dynamic you would not say it's like look at this it's web 2.0 because that's like yesterday's news right even though it fits the category perfectly uh-huh it was exciting, and not only were these websites being made, tools were being made to make the, these websites easier to make. Browsers starting, started supporting uh, more user-active functions, mostly because, do you want to be the only browser that doesn't support the next big thing? Mm-hmm. Better make sure your users can run complicated code that they didn't write nor understand. <laughs> you know... That's truly the the dream of computing. <laughs> um, basically, it became really easy to just slap a flash video player or a commons field or a widget that tells you the current share price of Microsoft onto an otherwise static website to fulfill some vague notion of dynamicism and user activeness that people were either explicitly asking for or were implicitly asking for by spending more time on the web pages that were more engaging. Mm -hmm. And you could tell that users were spending more time using the interactive websites because you could measure it using the same code that allowed the interactivity. They could, I mean, the very basic version of it is send the number of seconds a particular user spent looking at a particular web page to the server. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was also some very interesting data for websites that were supported by advertising. We're going to put a pin in that, pin in that for now. I okay. should say, I didn't actually say what this was, what this segment yeah. was. <laughs> um, I just said, okay, we're talking about Web 3.0, and I'm calling this the Web 3 Point Manifesto. I'm very proud of the name, and I would love to hear how much you love the name, um, Jared. And like any good manifesto... It's very specific about things that are not important and very vague about things that are important and uh, (laughs) far too long and rambling and all that good stuff. So I got a I got a screenshot the other day of the word count of this manifesto. (laughs) And all I can say is I'm delighted and excited. So, Zach. This was a question I wanted to answer with this manif- with this segment. Mm-hmm. Why do I hate using the internet sometimes? Oh. Okay. Maybe you don't get this as much as I do, but I go to I want to know some information and then I try to find the information and then I start going this is so fucking annoying to try to find this information. It's about ethics and video game journalism. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The The process was, the other day I was trying to figure out how to, I got 
I got my fancy new Pokemon game and I was trying to figure out how to do something in my Pokemon game. And I said, how to whatever in my fancy new Pokemon game. And you go there and there's like eight paragraphs about how you used to be able to do this in old Pokemon games and then 10 ads and then one paragraph that they say, unfortunately, you can't do it in Pokemon game, um, which is which is some some unfortunate an unfortunate way of presenting information as if you know what it is uh and it is entirely driven by i think probably a lot of the things that Liz is about to get into but also it's an unethical way to do journalism in scare quotes um which was also the the thing with gamergate uh, there's there were there were levels to that joke and it wasn't funny enough to warrant explaining any of the levels i liked it thank you for explaining it thank you um so my sort of my my first guess which will be what the thing i'm talking about and not necessarily the right answer but again mm-hmm. my opinion whatever Every degree of complexity that was added to a website manifested a similar degree of these effects. This is historically. Mm -hmm. Users tended to stay on the site for longer. The amount of information sent over the internet increased. Mm -hmm. The time it took for a user's browser to parse and display that information or that website went up relative to processing power. Mm-hmm. The accessibility of the website went down. The interoperability of any two of any two particular dynamic websites went down, and consequently, mm-hmm. the siloness of the internet as a whole went up. I, I have other th- thoughts. Is there more to this list, or can I add one? Oh, please go ahead. The ability to create the next thing another another silo or another web app of some sort mm-hmm. went down yeah. it became harder at, at the more things you add at a baseline the harder it is to get up to that baseline i totally agree and just to be clear before i go on i'm not saying that more web that more websites being more complex is inherently bad mostly i'm saying that there is an an appropriate amount of complexity for any given website and that average and that the average complexity of websites on the internet is much higher than the appropriate average complexity. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And when I say complexity, I'm using it as sort of a heuristic. Um, how many, how many bits need to be sent to display it? How many other servers need to be invoked? How many of those servers are a third party? How much JavaScript needs to be run? When does the JavaScript need to be run? What's the big O complexity of that JavaScript? How much data is being sent to and from a server while it's being used? Of the processing that needs to be done, how much is happening on the client side? How many different states, as in finite state machines, can there be? Those are the questions. (laughs) Those are the questions. I don't like that one. (laughs) Those are the questions being boiled down into like a general complexity idea. Okay. Is complexity and usability included in there or is that its own beast? I think that they are one and the same or at least heavily correlated. Um, Mm -hmm. I 
it it wasn't like the I kind of grouped that in with accessibility. Okay, yeah. Um, two of the effects I listed, the amount of information being sent over the internet increasing and the time it takes for the user's browser to parse and display a website, are inherent to my definition of complexity, so I don't feel the need to go over it very much. Uh, but the accessibility of a website decreasing and the interoperability of websites decreasing may not be as clear, so we can mm-hmm. go over that. Um, accessibility is another word, sort of like complexity, that I can that you, that one can think of as a heuristic in this context. Um, there are a lot of factors that go into the accessibility of a website. Many of them are listed in the W3C Accessibility Standards Overview. I'm not an expert in accessibility of websites. I'm not an expert in any of the things I'm going to be talking about. <laughs> I have a bachelor's degree in computer science, and that is the extent of my education. So... <laughs> I can't speak. I can't, excuse me. I can't speak to the completeness or lack thereof of these guidelines. Uh, Googling problems with W3C accessibility standards resulted in many listicles to the tune of "Top 10 ways to graciously allow disabled people to participate in society via your website." Yeah. Much of the internet and real life is hilariously inaccessible, and not all of it is the fault of growing complexity. Much is laziness, ignorance, and ableism, and to give a sense of how pervasive inaccessibility is on the internet, I'm going to read some excerpts from Reddit posts from the web design subreddit. I'm definitely going to be taking some things out of context in order to make a point. Some of these comments and posts will illustrate my point, and some will just be assholes posting nonsense. This is your warning. (laughs) Title. Is accessibility as big a deal as it seems? Uh... What's what's the the main text field of a Reddit post called? Do they have a specific name? Uh, the body. The body. I've been reading Reddit and the rest of the net a lot, and it seems like there is a general consensus that accessibility of websites should be considered rather highly. Is sad advice? I'm a new dev and designer, and I want to come in with the best practices before my career takes off. From the comments. <laughs> right now i am ready to believe their hearts in the right place mm-hmm. they don't seem to make any more posts other than the the original so mm-hmm. my company is pushing it mainly to avoid ada re- related lawsuits which is good that's why the ada exists right um this is more of a question for the people's sorry this is more a question for the people saying it's the right thing to do or that web designers are required by ethics to make their sites accessible. <laughs> there, there were air quotes. There were air quotes around those ethics. Well, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna start that sentence again, <laughs> just to make sure uh, we have all that. Uh-huh. This is more of a question for the people saying it's the right thing to do, or that web designers are required by ethics to make their sites accessible. Why? If I make a website, are other people entitled to use it? Do they have the right to require my website to be accessible to them? This this is uh, this is another Reddit post. Um, no comments for this one. It, the 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 main one is good enough. Um, title: As a designer, if accessibility is killing design for brand, sorry, if accessibility is killing design for brands that exert fun, would you move on? Exert fun 
Mm -hmm. If accessibility is killing design for brands that exert fun, would you move on? Okay. Okay. Here's the body. And what they mean is that... Okay. <laughs> I think okay. what they mean is, like, if the brand's... If it's its thing, if it's its, you know, niche in the market, that it's a fun brand and accessibility is killing that, would you move on as a designer? Because accessibility is never fun. Yeah. Here we go. I'm going to read this one in... Uh, the. Uh, there are some Britishisms, and okay. go- I re- would really like to like read it in a pretentious British accent. Um, I know that's not the right thing to do, but it's really tempting. I <laughs> uh, just want you to know. <laughs> but you see, Liz, our brand exerts fun, and so <laughs> it doesn't really matter what the right thing to do here is. Design is a curious thing. For me, the best design is one that truly captures your heart. A screen doesn't just mean scroll. It means jump in. It's explore, love, feel, cherish, and dream. All those great words. The problem is that our company worries too much about accessibility. Now, this is very important, no doubt. Big brands may well have customers slash users that have a disability, so we need to make sure that colors and contrasts are clear. You must cater for all. That being said, how can you truly capture the heart of a brand if you're only using 25% of the color palette? Fonts are too large, bolder, never thin. As of this, all our websites look the same. As a designer, I believe we... This is really this is this part I like a lot. As a designer, I believe we work best with no limits. The sky is our limit. We cannot limit our imagination. As Apple said, think different. We cannot think different if we are limited to making websites that look the same and only using 25% of the color wheel. In this instance, as a designer, would you look for a job elsewhere, perhaps where accessibility was not as important? I sad <laughs> another okay okay so so we're t- too fun and the point of fun is to jump in and you can't jump in if you don't have working legs and so i shouldn't have to cater to you you sh- should need to jump in and don't forget dream also think different uh-huh and they can't use itunes so who needs them <laughs> Hi, Jared. I'm in a mood to reference things, apparently. Um, if you want to know what I'm talking about, I guess I can put it in the show notes. Here is, this one's just a link, the Reddit post. It's a link to a CSS Tricks blog post uh, entitled, Three Ways We Fail to Take Accessibility Seriously. And I'm going to be reading from the comments. I always hear about the how it's some... Reddit comments? Yes, the Reddit comments. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I always hear about how it's some sort of moral imperative that developers make sites accessible, but I never hear about how anyone should contribute to making assistive technologies not hot garbage. The reason accessibility is left behind is because the numbers aren't in its favor. The companies don't invest for a lower percentage of their users. It's shitty, but it's just not handled well anymore. Uh, here is a comment. There, the first bit of it is uh, a quote. 
so, so they're quoting a different comment, and then they're going to say something about that comment. Mm-hmm. If you're a designer who thinks this way, please consider this. You're not designing for yourself. And then they say to that, no shit. I'm designing for my client who doesn't give two shits about accessibility and won't pay a single hour to dedicate to it. Stop blaming us. Another. People love to harp on accessibility stuff and tell you that you should care about it. Should you? Yes, of course. At the end of the day, though, you're just picking up issues and making sure your ACs slash requirements are checked off. If accessibility isn't on your list of requirements, are you really going to go out of your way to do all the accessibility yourself? Likely not, unless the scope of the app in question is incredibly small and you know how to do it all yourself. One more. Last job I did, I was hired by a company who was hired by another company who were hired by another company who, believe it or not, was hired by another company to do a project in which I only did any work at all. The amount of people any decisions had to go through made it absolutely impossible for me to argue about a button needing more contrast. Those last two are very interesting to me. Um, I think because they talk uh, indirectly about the ways that increased complexity makes it hard to be decisive about accessibility um, and to have an accessibility story and a usability story in your head because the complexity of the whole project is so large. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they kind of sound like jerkwads. (laughs) They do. Absolutely. But but you honestly, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I, uh that's, Kind of the point I was going to make was that if you're making a static website, it's really easy to just pick two colors, one for the background, one for the text. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an exercise, just make sure we got just really drive this point home because it's important. As an exercise, I'd like you to imagine okay. trying to read a website that has a bunch of ads that are loading in at different times and taking up different amounts of space. Allow yourself to feel the feelings that you get. Hypothetically? Hypothetically, uh-huh. when you're trying to read something or look at a diagram or some, and something on the page changes sizes and your browser scrolls away from what you are reading. Maybe it happens more than once and you need to click the next page button and it happens again on the next page. Oh, and by the way, we use cookies <laughs> and we feel the need to remind you every time the page loads by covering all the content. Oh, and half the content is images that load in after the rest of the page. Now imagine trying to navigate that hell with a screen reader. It's yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. And uh, I don't like uh, Jared. If you don't know how screen readers handle like images, you, there's a field in uh, in an HTML image tag that is supposed to be the alternative text, the text that displays if the Im- image cannot be displayed. And it's hardly ever actually filled in with any substance. You know, it's called like it. I mean, the it will say if it's a diagram, it'll say diagram or something like that, and it will not be helpful. It's interesting thinking about accessibility because you and I, our first like web project that we ever did together was in Polymer, 
and Polymer was like built in Google at a time when Google was really trying to make accessibility work for all of the different Google tools. And so Polymer was one of the ways that they demonstrated that accessibility was a thing that was achievable. Um, and so because we started with Polymer as our very first web framework, at least for me, I was very aware of what had to happen for accessibility, that you need to think about a tab order, you need to think about it, alt images, you need to think about um, ARIA labels for buttons and bobs and bits and all sorts of things that like none of it is automatic and especially not if you don't use a semantic web layout which is what happens usually if the website is complex is it gets to be less semantic because there are only so many modern semantics you can use semantic web i should say is a way of making the structure of the website match the intent of the website that you've got buttons that are buttons and aren't like put a rectangle here and also if you click on it it does something special but it's actually you say this is a button and it is a rectangle and if you click on it it does something but because it's a semantic element um, it's easier for the browser or a screen reader or something to look at that and figure out what's going on with it Mm -hmm. a phrase i was trying hard to avoid using because i hear it a lot and i didn't want to just say the thing i've heard a million times but also i realized that people listening to this have not heard it all the time (laughs) but accessibility is for everyone in your example of a semantic website it's not just for screen readers that you know this is that we make it clear to the browser that this is a button Mm -hmm. it is also like it's surprisingly difficult to indicate to a user that this is something you can click on. This is something you can interact with unless you have already seen something that looks similar. You can kind of picture what like the default Google Chrome button tag it looks like. Mm-hmm. And if you change that at all, it can be very easy to just like glance right over it because it does it's it doesn't look like the button is supposed to look yeah. And that apparently annoys some designers who think <laughs> the button should look slightly different. Uh-huh. Should look how I want it to look and because I'm thinking about this website at all levels, I totally understand that this is a button and so why wouldn't you? Yeah. And and you know, like in that case it can be that is one very small aspect of how a website should work and how a designer has to make decisions like that, uh, that balance accessibility with style. Mm-hmm. I, uh, there's an internal tool. This is on the, on the train of accessibility is for everyone. There's an internal tool that I use at work um, that one of the elements for my time tracking entry isn't in the tab order. And it's an optional element, but it is still an element that I use pretty often. And so every time as I tab through the elements that I'm entering data into and I get to that one and I go, okay, wait, I got to get my mouse and go click on it, that this is, it's a thing that would be impossible if I was using a screen reader to interact with this, Um, but it is still frustrating and an interruption and less usable for me 
because it's not accessible. Mm-hmm. And the more complex a website is, the more difficult it is to make it accessible. It can be done, but it takes effort, time, and money, which our friends on Reddit would like to remind you does not come easily in this industry. The accessibility of a website goes well beyond its ability to be parsed by a screen reader, though. There is not, however, any aspect of a website's accessibility that is made easier by having more things shifting and changing and requiring code to work. Yeah. I I wrote this next line, and I turned over to my producer, and I said, I think I just summed up this whole segment, and I don't need the rest of it. (laughs) So, maybe. Maybe. The more things that a website does, the more difficult it is to make it do another thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a Liskov substitution principle or something. Jared, I'm in a mood. Don't listen to anything <laughs> I say. That's not Liskov substitution principle. And this is also the reason, this is one of the reasons at least, that the sites, that a website's interoperability decreases with complexity as well. Facebook is a silo, not just because Facebook is an evil business machine that never wants you to leave Facebook. It's also really complicated in all the my metrics for complexity, which makes try, which makes trying to make it play nice with another service technically very challenging. Mm-hmm. Once you promise to have something from the outside, you need to uphold that promise. And it it limits you in what you're able to change because now whatever you change on the inside doesn't have to just be accommodated by the website, which you are free to change, but it has to take this interface to whatever else you were using before, whatever else you were interacting with before, and keep that the same. Um, Exactly. (laughs) Reading off my script, Zach. Uh. (laughs) Um, But we've talked about like how hard it is to make like a blog or something that conforms to the indie web standard, which Mm -hmm. is open and relatively simple. Um, And like, we can imagine what it would be like to try to conform to whatever proprietary standard Facebook is using. Um, And like, we can also imagine trying to conform to both Facebook and Twitter Uh, visually like a Facebook feed and a Twitter feed are not so dissimilar. And Mm -hmm. if it was all just RSS under the hood, you might be able to make something that could do both, but you can't really. Right. And yeah, I think that's a bad thing. I don't think everything should just live on Facebook servers for many reasons that we've discussed on the podcast before. So why does all this make many websites just a pain in the to use? Let's go over it point by point. The amount of information being sent over the internet increased when Web 2.0 happened, Mm -hmm. which is Web 2.0 didn't just happen. It happened over time and it was a slow thing and it was a trend and more and more things happened and you get it. It's a journey. It's a journey. Internet connections tend to be pretty good these days. uh, So why is it a problem that more bandwidth is being used? And it mostly has to do with the infrastructure of the internet being chain-like in that you have a weakest link that determines the strength and resilience of your system. Uh, You may have a decent internet connection, but the $50 router that you bought off Amazon could stop working reliably at any time. And it does. Mm -hmm. For me. (laughs) Um, It puts unnecessary stress on a fragile system. 
it's not something that I stay up at night worrying about, but I think it's worth considering on such a massive scale. Uh, the trend line for the amount of data being sent over a given network that has nothing to do with the content of the page is going up. Mm-hmm. It also, more data is like less. It More data being sent is more energy being used. Not to the scale that... Uh, in terms of things we could change to make the world use less energy, this would be low on the list, but it is on the list. Yeah. Um, so also, the time it took for a user's browser to parse and display a website went up. There's no easy way to say it. It is annoying when the content of a website should take 100 milliseconds to load and be displayed and for it to take an order of magnitude or more. I could say it's unsustainable or that it makes the browser more likely to not be able to display something due to a formatting error or uh, it takes up more RAM or whatever. Uh, But mostly it's annoying. And most of Mm -hmm. the time, the extra data doesn't add anything. The accessibility of a website went down. We talked about this. Um, and the interoperability of two, any two particular dynamic websites went down. And complexity is the enemy of interoperability. Interoperability is good because the internet shouldn't just be Facebook. So Okay. But point that, by point, I am with you. That is why Web 2.0 has made the internet how it is. Yes. Mostly the complexity. Mm-hmm. So what is an appropriate amount of complexity? First off, I do believe that some websites should just be a page with text on it. I'm going to get that right out of the way. Okay. Which which one? Which website? Uh, let's see. Most wikis. Most news things. Okay. That sort of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, stuff that has text. Maybe an organizational structure. Yeah. You could even throw a JPEG onto them. I 100% believe that many, many more websites should look more like a markdown file. You don't need to have a banner talking about your cookie use, because you don't need to have cookies. (laughs) You don't need to go fetch a bunch of JavaScript, because there's nothing that needs doing. You can just host a text file, and people can read the text file. Uh, One of the easier things that a browser can do is format text, so... Mm -hmm. If your content would be better organized with headers and in some italics, by all means. Some websites have more information than can be easily digested through one markdown file. For this, I recommend two markdown files. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yep, I'm listening. What do we do then, Liz? Three markdown files? Where does it end? If your website is only useful with user interaction, for example, an area of a circle calculator mm-hmm. would be a good a good example. Mm-hmm. You might decide that it would be a better user experience to use JavaScript to handle that calculation rather than sending the input to the server and waiting for a response. I agree. In this very simple case, one could easily just include all the JavaScript necessary in the same file along with the HTML in a script tag. But Liz, that's not very clean. It should be in separate files. Maybe. But think about it this way. It all ends up in the same file. That's more or less what the browser does when you include a bunch of libraries and stuff. There's no compilation. 
It just shoves all the dependencies into one text file and runs the JavaScript when the function is called. So, if you don't like the idea of putting all your JavaScript into one script tag in the HTML file, just consider that you may have too much JavaScript. Mm. But my website is far too complicated to be thought of in such a reductive way. I don't believe you. <laughs> but I can't make my website look nice without JavaScript. Then you're not trying hard enough. Yeah, no, CSS is, has gotten so powerful. And also, no one cares if your website looks nice. <laughs> no one cares, I promise. In my experience, people care much more about whether something feels nice to use than what it actually looks like. People aren't designers. They don't know what is supposed to look good and what's not. Yeah. Okay. They, they don't care about your brand cohesion. I just want to get the information from your website and then leave. If you want to have a website that is truly very complicated and you think it needs to be complicated to do what you want it to do, these messages are not for you. YouTube cannot be a text file. YouTube needs to have a video player, which is complicated and not built into a browser at all. Mm -mm. It needs to have suggestions for what video to play next, which is done on the server side of things. It needs to have a robust series of options for people uploading videos, and we all know how much people uploading to YouTube enjoy using that. Otherwise, what would YouTube even be? Just a database full of videos? Yes. <laughs> it is. It's a database full of videos. <laughs> to be I... fair, to be fair, it's a very good database full of videos. It mm -hmm. can handle a remarkable amount of users and store an unreasonably large amount of data. YouTube is complicated, but it seems like most of the complexity comes from having too much you sorry. Most of the complexity comes from having too many users, which is the idea. I I think the thing that makes YouTube appealing to people goes beyond what you could do with just a database of videos, theoretically. Here's my <laughs> speculation. Here's my opinion. Um, I think sometimes Web 2.0 is good, actually. <laughs> YouTube is better than a database full of videos, but let's think about what it's doing and what it needs to do for people to use YouTube. It does a lot of, let's just say extra things, mostly for the sake of advertising, which we're going to get to, I promise. Okay. If you take the ads out of YouTube, a lot of the just like really annoying stuff about YouTube, like the, the algorithm fa favoring longer videos or something like that, uh, getting more... This this is kind of I'm realizing this is getting kind of specific into like I've listened to too much content from people who make YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess my point in this last uh, talking about YouTube is that like if YouTube was just a database full of videos, you could search it, you could get recommendations from it via uh, an algorithm of some sort that uh, that the server runs. Um, it would be more or less the same as long as the browser's video 
something. You know, the HTML5 video player was good enough. Mm-hmm. Which, maybe it's not. But, like, a lot of the stuff it's doing is just to, like, pr- prevent some pr- piracy, some copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Streaming chat is a thing that YouTube does that I think people like for YouTube to do. Okay. That's, that a, good, th- that's a good one. I, I think would be significantly harder to do server-side only. Agreed. 100%. Sometimes Web 2.0, good actually. Yes. Most of the time, Web 2.0, uh, bloated, over-engineered piece of shit. But sometimes good, I will admit it. Okay. Not always good. More interactivity, not always good. There are also web apps. Mm-hmm. To name a few Notion, Slack, Discord, Google Docs, that sort of thing. These are some of the most complex websites that one could dream up. Yet, they usually feel okay to use, their memory usage notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. My theory is that from their conception, everyone working on the project knew that this was going to be a complex beast of a project, and great pains went into making sure that everything was as optimized as possible, so so that it was usable despite its complexity. They also have a fairly limited scope. You know, they're not trying to be like the entire internet. They're trying to be Slack. Mm. They're trying to be Google Docs. I think... Also, many of them are in a competitive market where part of their value is their usefulness and their usability. Mm-hmm. Um, and Facebook can't really today be said to be in a competitive market. Very true. And all these optimizations that these companies made take time, money, and forethought which we saw from the Reddit comments about accessibility, are not common things in the world of web design. So, bringing things back a little bit, taking a step Mm -hmm. back, Mm -hmm. what is an appropriate amount of complexity? Less. (laughs) If that's not specific enough, really think through what your website is supposed to do, and then do that. Mm -hmm. Do you need the cute little drop-down menu with the animations? Or would it be okay to have a search bar in a sitemap? I know sitemaps are very out of style, but they're very useful. Does this section of your page need to be exactly 100 pixels tall, forcing a second scroll bar to be necessary to display all the content? Or could you just show it? Do you need to keep track of exactly how much time a user spends looking at a particular section of a page? Or could you just keep track of the get requests in each page for a lot in a, some sort of log and kind of, you know, in the back end, throw that into an Excel spreadsheet? Mm-hmm. And that's what an appropriate amount of complexity is, in my opinion. And here's the moment you've all been waiting for. This is the moment that if I, if we had, you know, people who wanted to interact with us, we, if we had Jared's that wanted to interact with us, we would get the most interaction by because of, um, Wow, that was a sentence. Sorry. Um, <laughs> fucking ads. Really? I've been avoiding talking about ads because it makes talking about the functionality of a website 
way more difficult, but it should be addressed. Mm -hmm. The reason a lot of this complexity happens is because of the business model of these websites. The website is free to use because the cost of running a server needs to be offset by the revenue of the website. And that revenue is created by forcing your users to view advertisements. And forcing is a, a heavy word, I understand. I think it's I think it's apt. Is it inherently bad? No. There is, however, something to keep in mind. When you run ads, the functionality of your website changes. It changes from displaying information to displaying ads. That becomes the first and foremost thing you need to do. You need to be able to keep the lights on. The trouble with ads is that most websites don't have control over being what's displayed in that ad. Unless you're a huge company, you know, like Google size, you the only real way to get companies to want to advertise on your page is through Google ad services mm-hmm. and other such right. uh, services. Ad delivery networks. Yes. Yes. When you load the ad... It loads seven different JavaScript libraries, starts animating, making requests to other servers, mines Bitcoin, and it doesn't do any of that efficiently because it doesn't need to. It, you know, it if it's really bad, it escapes its little iframe and covers up and moves parts of your website. And I have to assume that the badness of ads come from the margins being just razor thin. They feel like they need to be very intrusive, otherwise the ad doesn't work. And the money that they gave to the website they displayed the ad on is lost, because the user didn't even see it. Mm -hmm. Which makes me think that this type of advertising doesn't really work. It makes me think that the advertisements to keep a website running, that using advertisements to keep a website running is not sustainable use moving forward. And that makes me think that we need a different way to keep these resources available to everyone. And ideally, that method should be as simple as possible in order to keep the internet nice to use on average. Liz, are you big shorting a subprime advertising crisis? (laughs) I think I just heard you big short a subprime advertising crisis. I think I am, yes. Okay, so I'm looking at a bubble, Zach. Uh Uh-huh. Um... I believe that the standard online banner ad will eventually become so unsustainable that it dies completely. And we will either have a good solution, we will have a bad solution, or the era of online resources about just about anything will end. So, you know, your Pokemon does this work in Pokemon article Mm -hmm. where... That's just going to go away. And I will never You're... know that it, it doesn't work after 10 paragraphs. You'll, you won't have your wikis. You, unless, you know, someone's going to pay for it out of pocket, in which case you need it to be big enough. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens, good solution, bad solution, no solution, that will be Web 3.0. That will be the characteristic thing that we, you know, we're going to, in 20 years, we're going to be like, what was our, you know, next generation is going to be like, Web 3.0, what are you talking about? And they're going to look up on Wikipedia, if that's still around, mm-hmm. and say, oh, okay, the characteristics of Web 3.0 is that the era of advertising died. So, 
If you don't wow. care. Okay, this is. Give me a second. I gotta digest that all, Liz. <laughs> that is a a large claim, or at least it feels like a large claim to me. Yeah. No, I that agree. Online advertising is in its waning years, and is because it is unsustainable, not because there is something better yet. Agreed. I think that's a. I also think it's a big claim. I also believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think you're wrong. I just think you're a little crazy. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Good to keep keep going. Yeah. Anything I should keep talk a little bit more about? No. I I think I'm with you. Okay. If you don't care at all about the sim- simplicity of such a solution, I do have a technology for you. Allow me to introduce you, Zach, to the mm-hmm. blockchain. Oh, no, Liz. It's a distributed system. Uh-huh. So there's no need to run a server. You don't need right. to keep the lights on. You can just put code for your website into a couple of smart contracts, and then uh-huh. boom, your website is hosted by a bunch of people playing a game of who can burn the most electricity. Oh, At least this okay. is the messaging around te- around the technology. The truth is, is that it's just as expensive, possibly more so, as hosting a server traditionally, because the people being paid to burn electricity are also being paid, in part, by the owner of the website. They want us to move infrastructure onto the blockchain this is kind of covered in the folding ideas video Mm -hmm. about nfts um they they have a i'm saying they uh, early adopters blockchain evangelists yes blockchain evangelists people who have a significant amount of money invested quote unquote into the blockchain would like you jared and zach Mm mm-hmm to move infrastructure onto the blockchain so that we become reliant on it and they can make their money back. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm calling the darkest timeline for Web 3.0. This is my worst case scenario. And I don't think I need to explain very much to you or to Jared the shortcomings of hosting a website on the blockchain are. Uh, but darkest timeline... Come on, surely there's surely very few free resources is worse, right? Like, surely if everything went away, that's worse. I don't see how these resources are free. Well, good point. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Let's just say that somehow <laughs> all the free resources, instead of going, instead of being supported by ads, just move on to the blockchain mm-hmm. in whatever way that the evangelists think is going to happen or say Mm -hmm. is going to happen i just i don't think that's better at least if these resources go away completely or go behind a paywall uh things kind of just go back to the way they were before the internet like libraries are still around and they would likely get more use if everything on the internet needed to be paid for right to be paid for and through your local library you would have access to these 10 sites or whatever or whatever, or you can just read a book. <sighs> if things move onto the blockchain, we as people who are against using a blockchain 
for many, many reasons, or as people who don't really care about the difference between a blockchain-hosted site and a traditional server-hosted site, would be forced into using incredibly complex, environment-destroying, and inequality-promoting technology mm -hmm. in order to access the same resources. And, and like, if you're like vehemently against the blockchain in general, you're probably not going to go use the blockchain-supported or the blockchain-hosted websites. But the people who don't care about the difference are just going to become reliant on a blockchain. Right. And perhaps would not like to, and perhaps would be upset to learn that the system that they have been engaging in because it became a default. Mm -hmm. So, what about a good result for Web 3.0? What would something like that look like? Obviously, I would love it if there were just servers that anyone could host a website on, and you could just have, you know, any size of a website and any amount of traffic. And, like, that would just be available for people, and they could just mm -hmm. make online resources. That's not the world we live in. To do such a thing would require far more change than anyone could consider reasonable. Right. We would need, like, a Star Trek-level utopia. Mm-hmm. Free a lot of things before you get to free server. Yeah. Free food. Free housing. Server free electricity. Down, <laughs> free electricity. is Free server is way down the list. Yeah. So, I'm... That would be best. It's not going to happen. So my first thought was would be something like a library program for the internet. You you want to host a public resource, the taxpayers will support it. Sounds kind of nice. My worry would be that the taxpayers would not want to pay for Zelda ZeldaDungeon.net, despite it being safe for work and all the other things that I don't personally care about, but they're apparently important factors and whether taxpayers will want to pay for something mm -hmm. but like you know it's not pornographic it's not uh gambling or anything it's just a zelda wiki but like there's something about it that it's it's not quite art you know it's not like you're supporting the arts it's it's in a weird spot where like this is the perfect mm -hmm. this is the perfect use case for like a free market sort of thing where like the people who care about Zelda will go to this Zelda wiki and they will look at the ads and the ads will provide revenue for the website. Right. And it seems kind of, it seems a little bit unlikely that a library system would support something like that. Mm -hmm. And even if we could get something working like S that, where state geo cities. Yeah. Something like that. Uh huh. There is like uh, the matter of giving control of our sweet internet to the government. Uh, some of the fears along those lines could be lessened by making it more uh, local. Be kind of if like you had a local library server versus a federal library server. Uh -huh. And most of the basis for this sort of system is that if we focus on removing the necessity of an income stream from hosting a website like the blockchain people want you to think blockchain is, I think more websites would be created. A lot of these websites would be pure garbage, but that's no different than today. And some really interesting stuff that does not need a, a re 
like an income stream could be achieved. Liz, this is absurd and so smart and so such an interesting concept. I I think an affirmative right to website hosting is such like a novel <laughs> thing, but I think it's I think it's not t- totally outside the realm of thinkable. It's not a full solution. I know this. It like I there are so many details. There's logistics and like so much thing so many things to work out. Government CMS. <laughs> but it's like that's that was that is my vision for a good future for web 3.0. And even if it's not the solution, whatever if, if there's a solution, whatever it is, if it's bad, if it's good, there's a good chance that the infrastructure will not be able to handle the complexity of Web 2.0. Blockchain can't. It's it, mm-hmm. it's the computation of smart contracts is way way too limited for anything approaching the most basic of Web 2.0 sites. Mm-hmm. A wiki would be really really difficult in smart contracts. Oh God. So a simpler web page needs to be more ac- acceptable to users. I put that in quotes because the people that say this website is good enough are sometimes not the website's users, but their owners, as we've seen from the Reddit comments again. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be done either by lowering expectations or making the browsers display a simpler web page in a prettier way. So if a website hosts a text file, the browser can take that text file like a genuine .txt web file currently if you hosted something like that it would be uh you know monospace font and uh the browser would just like show unformatted text but it doesn't have to there's nothing Mm -hmm. you know in the no law that says that dot txt files have to be ugly yeah and websites that are less complex need to be rewarded in some way that make the, the same way that more complex websites were rewarded when 2.0, when Web 2.0 was rearing mm-hmm. its head. And they can be rewarded by faster load times, better search rankings, more direct support, and making simple websites easy and cheap to build. Those are my, uh, and those that, that last bit was my uh, call to action at for the moment. Yeah. Um, that's about all I have. I think the internet is great on the whole, and I don't want to watch it turn into the hell <laughs> that I see when I close my eyes. Yeah. I I have thought about a lot of these same things, and I have worried about a lot of these same things, and I think what I'm going to continue calling an affirmative right to web hosting is the the best picture of the future i've seen so far thank you zach that that feels good that feels really good to hear here's an idea it it should be the domain of the post office that's good that makes so much sense (laughs) oh my god i love it i love it i know i'm onto something actually because facebook is running scared zach really Mm -hmm. i I have been locked out of my Instagram account <laughs> <laughs> for no discernible reason. 
I want to show you what happens when I try to log into my Instagram. Okay. So here's here's the app. Uh, I'm just going to... Add so your birthday. Add my birthday. It's a little bit hard to show, but I'm going to try to just move the day off of the current day. Today, yeah. And it oh. just snaps back to February 28th. Doesn't like it. And then if I try to log on in the web portal, it mm -hmm. just is a blank white page. It's the normal Instagram site. I log in and it's just a white page. And I have not contacted support yet because it's been kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can keep we can keep talking about Web 3.0 if you want. We don't need to talk about my Instagram troubles. I'm I'm trying to think now what the like split is. If I were going to design the affirmative right CMS, mm -hmm. what that would look like today because i think you want at least something like a menu you sure. want somebody to be able to say here's my page and here are all of the things um, yeah i was thinking yeah i was thinking something like a a wordpress ish thing but for many types of websites you know you have a structure and you can customize it to some degree but like, you can tell it's a WordPress site. Yeah. And, like, how do you do that in a way that somebody who is not very computer literate could use it to, whatever, post about their collection of old coins and somebody mm -hmm. that is, that wants to be, can make a area of a circle calculator. Yeah. Um, If that's, like, the bounds that you want to define from just, like, input text, put pictures next to it. Mm -hmm. up to basic levels of javascript mm -hmm. javascript that isn't intrusive but in fact adds to the website right but like i think it'd be sick as hell if all my friends could have their own websites and they didn't you know they didn't need facebook and twitter and instagram to post about their lives i want to know about your lives friends but i don't want to be using facebook and instagram and twitter mm-hmm but it's unreasonable to expect someone to host their own server because it's expensive. And I think you'd get more buy-in if you had a way to follow more people, right? The notion of follow is something that Web 2.0 got right. Mm -hmm. um, and that could just be RSS, right? Sure. Or whatever, you know, a JSON feed or an Atom feed or whatever. Yeah, something like um, that. Managed by the CMS. That is a... Un, uh, a tough nut to crack, but one that is crackable. And I think then if that's the range of users you're appealing to, you're not encroaching too hard on AWS or Linode or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. If you have a website that like is designed to have an income stream, by mm -hmm. all means. But we are trying to make something or not we, but I would like to see something that is for people who are not trying to make an income off of their website. They're just trying to like use the internet in the way they want. Clearly, people want to be able to share these things that they're passionate about. Their coin collection, maybe. Maybe uh, Sudoku tr tricks and tips. Uh, maybe you want to run a Zelda wiki. Mm -hmm. because maybe you, you just want to 
post your Wordle scores every day. Keep yeah. going with the Zelda wiki, though. That was a much better. <laughs> you, if you, you know, if you love Zelda and you want, you know, a resource for everyone else to learn about the all the Zelda cool facts that you know. Hmm. That should be a thing you 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 should be able to do without needing, without without the requirement of trying to make money off of it. I like it. I think, I think I probably have a skewed vision of what everyone would want to do with a website, or if they even would want to have one. But I think social media has shown that a lot of people are interested in sharing their thing, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Um, and I, I think that's one of the the core things that technology is for. I'll I'll go back to this and I'll keep going going back to this as long as I want to. One of the main things we want technology for is to connect with each other. Um and I think if this is a thing that allows someone to be heard or allows someone to connect with another person, that's pretty dang neat. And now, a PSA and sponsored message from the Worrying Bugs. Patrons of the show can hear a supercut of my size, entitled, Zack Experiences Dread, One Hour Long ASMR. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Jared, if you know how I can regain access to my Instagram account. Uh, or if you have already written um, affirmativeright.cms. And would like to share it with me for, you know, signal boost, paid and exposure, all that. Um, Reach out and let me know. I'm on Twitter at 